0: Bend City Councilor Sally Russell was first elected to the City Council in November 2012. She was elected Mayor Pro Tem by her peers. She holds an MBA in Marketing from Portland State University. In Bend, she was Executive Director of the Cascade Festival of Music and the Cascade Cycling Classic. In the private sector, she has worked as a Project Manager and Marketing Manager for two development firms in addition to volunteering in many areas of concern throughout the community. I'm Brian Jennings for The Source Weekly. We're talking with Sally Russell. This is SourceCast. You've been in Central Oregon now for quite a few years. You're a transplant from the Willamette Valley. You love it here as much as a lot of people, obviously.
1: Yes, you know I have been coming to Central Oregon since 1958 and actually my family has had two cabins since the late 1920s here in Central Oregon. So we have deep roots here in Central Oregon and in Bend as well as in the Willamette Valley. My father's family actually came to Oregon in a covered wagon oh my so 1852 and I have maps in my house of the entire Oregon trail that were originals from 1840s
0: oh my word yeah I'd love so to see those sometime. oh
1: I would love to show you they are so fascinating I mean all these explorers that came to to the west really in front of the the rest of the immigration and that began really in earnest in the 1850s you created all these amazing maps and this set of maps actually was a set of maps that somebody used that was either in a public library or a public post office, or they actually had in their hands as they traveled the Oregon Trail. It was very it's very detailed and has all sorts of notes that would be of interest. you know
0: Well, you come from a very active family. Um, public lands are a big deal in your family and and you have become very active yourself, not only in the recreational of value of public lands, but also now in the realm of politics. Whatever, encouraged you to become a politician.
1: Well, you know, originally we're just a family who has a deep appreciation for for the natural environment and for the outdoors. So that's really where our passion comes from. And long before we even, you know, whispered the word politics, we just like to be outside. Um, doing whatever came, climbing mountains, you know, swimming rivers, whatever it was, floating on our backs in the lakes, <laughs> you know, or looking at the wildflowers, um, you know, and it really came from my mother. Was was sort of the the way we ended up entering into the political system, where she got sat on this beautiful place across from Mount Loma Falls one day by a man who is a visionary, as his family had been visionaries, John Yon. Um, so she sat across from Noma Falls and he said, This landscape will change forever unless we do something to protect this incredible landscape in the Columbia River Gorge in the next 10 years. And mom loved the botany, she knew the history, she had a, a sense of the beauty in the, in the landscape and the natural landscape, especially. And she just caught the bug. That's how she got going, and, and I, I really come from that place as well. It's really about making a difference for the place that we really value and live in. And obviously, place means not only the natural landscape, but the community as a whole.
0: Of course, John Yon, his father, built the Columbia Gorge Highway. It's going to be 100 years this, uh, this summer, I believe. And of course, there is a Yawn Street in Portland, and uh, you, you go back a long way with a lot of people who really care about our landscape.
1: Yes, and even one of the things that John Lyon always talked about was, as a now um, major I eighty four Interstate eighty four that goes through the Columbia Gorge, he was responsible for some of those curves, very gentle curves on I eighty four that actually that actually steer you as a driver to look at these waterfalls that are hidden back in the landscape instead of some just straight. ODOT directed line, right? I mean, it, you know, he really worked with the Oregon Department of Transportation to create a highway through this spectacular landscape that highlighted and allowed people to see and enjoy the features of that landscape in a very subtle way. I mean, made you know, and that is a huge major interstate corridor through, you know, obviously a very spectacular place in our, in our world.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your mother. She had this wonderful vision for the uh, Columbia Gorge National Scenic Area for the the bill that was finally established after six hard years of work after the formation of the Friends of the Gorge. That must have been a day that was so rewarding when it was finally passed by Congress and signed into law.
1: That was one of the wildest rides I have ever Ever been party to I gotta say and we started out with just this vision um, that this area in some way needed some sort of protection and you got to understand and we started from ground zero there is nothing there Um, nobody understood you know where the boundaries should be, east, west, how long. Nobody understood when we talked about the Columbia River Gorge. No one knew where it was. I mean, it was really funny, actually. Mm. So there's huge educational process about, and then what's there? Why should it be protected? And then how do you do it? And then people, I mean, change is is difficult. I experience that every day as a city councilor. Right? You have this vision, and then you need to sort of encourage and move people into change and I think as human beings are sort of most comfortable with status quo and, and moving into a vision is difficult for most of us. And certainly in those communities throughout the Columbia River Gorge, I mean, just the idea of changing their worlds was very difficult. And ironically, their lives already were changing, right? The lumber mills were already pulling up their stakes and moving to Canada or to Russia. I mean, there's the life that they had known for the last 50, 80 years or maybe longer than that, had was already going away. And so in truth, the people in those communities, the stage was already being set for some new economy to come in. And so the Columbia Gorge National Scenic Area in many ways was perfectly timed to not only protect the landscape, but really bolster the economies in those communities. And boy, do you ever see it today? Yeah. It's really exciting, but in that moment, people were exceedingly angry, and we'd come out of public hearings, especially in Skamania County, um, and you know, all four tires on mom's car would be slushed. I mean, it was just daunting and, and scary, the level of anger and resistance. Um, I just went there. Uh, last week, I think it was, and drove through those towns. I bought, got lunch. I, you know, went to Carson Hot Springs. I explored a couple of the places that are really a resort that bring dollars into those communities. Um, I watched people go kiteboarding. I, you know, and I was thinking about the resistance to change. And then if you can get through to the other side how wonderful it is for these communities because they actually have a future and a place for these um, future generations to really ease into and raise their families.
0: Well look at the transition of these towns that really had nothing going for them uh, in terms of the economy and the closer you get to public lands the better a rural economy does and you're seeing that all over the Columbia Gorge now.
1: Yes we really do and and the value of really world-class landscapes, the value of protecting world-class landscapes. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the short term, you know, sometimes people go, well, you know, I have this 40 acres, you know, let me develop the heck out of it. But if you can put a structure in place that allows you to say, you know, that 40 acres belongs in this world-class landscape, but guess what? We are going to invest millions of dollars over here, and that's gonna take you miles further and, and make it economically viable for every, a win-win. It's it's possible, and in, in... so sometimes I use those experiences to inform my decisions as I work with the city of Bend because so often it's you have a vision and as I said, people are resistant to change and yet if you can get people to understand the magnitude of the positive benefits in moving into it, we can go so far so fast and in a beneficial way that, um, that honors all values.
0: You have been known as a person who um, uh, considers all sides before you make a decision and that's one of the reasons that you were elected pro tem mayor. Uh, by your uh, peers. Um, let's talk about the city of Bend and the challenges that lie ahead for the city of Bend, besides potholes. <laughs>
1: have, you, have you disappeared in one yet? <laughs>
0: <laughs> several.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I do feel like I'm down in Baja, just swerving and jogging, and oh my goodness. Um, yeah, we have to find a way to fit that, fix that problem, and, um, and I'm working on several different solutions. I'm, I'm hoping we can get there sooner rather than later. We as a community need to get there sooner is later. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we have the challenge of people discovering our city. Um, we are currently out of that really bad recession. We have an opportunity really to plan and, and form where we go from here. I mean, I'm always very cautious in the way I look at things because a lot of people are predicting that as soon as 2018 or 2019, we may have another downturn. So we need to work quickly and effectively and proactively while we have this moment to create change before all our budgets get right pulled back again. We know we go through economic cycles so bend um the urban growth boundary right and that's and with that is going to be increased density inside as well as on the fringes and honestly given the cost of infrastructure in this community you know in any community and the fact that the federal government no longer underwrites and and really pitches in to help us either maintain or build new infrastructure it, I think it's really a benefit to our community to stay more compact rather than growth Because this whole affordability issue, I mean, a lot of the burden that's being placed on our community is infrastructure burden. And if we can find a way to minimize that, then we have more money available to, um, to work with our community and, and incentivize workforce and affordable housing.
0: Affordable housing is a huge issue in this community. And I was talking with the affordable housing manager uh, and he stated to me that the city of Ben needs to get over its fear of heights rather than start building out. You know, we're going to have to take a look at building up uh, in the future. Do you agree?
1: Um, conceptually, I absolutely agree. And in our work on the urban growth boundary plan, we've actually identified different areas within this within the city. Um, for instance, I'm thinking of the central area plan, which it, we won't obstruct anyone's views. Um, there are no old existing neighborhoods that will be significantly impacted, if impacted at all. And there are places like this within our community where businesses come and go. I mean, there's no economic vitality, there are no residents. And these are areas that I think absolutely should be growing up now. And um, I'm very excited about the prospect of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it, conceptually, absolutely, we need to go up. You know, again, we live in this natural environment, and to me, one of the huge draws that I see bringing so many people to this area is is the ability that I can drive five minutes and be walking the river trail or running my dog on Phil's trail or you know hopping my mountain bike over the bumps on Storm King. I mean, I, you know, I mm-hmm. love this place, and so if we can stay compact and go up. And be a little denser in our city. You know, we will then keep us from encroaching into all these, this natural landscape, and make more room for wildlife as well. It's 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 very beneficial. I mean, clearly though, we need to still work harder on how to accommodate the workforce, housing especially. I mean, I look at the challenge that we have ahead of us, and having people who live and work here all during the year you know who support us by being entrepreneurs by being the employees in our businesses and they have to live here and they have to live here according to the wages that these businesses can pay them this is a huge challenge and It's exacerbated if people are only building housing inventory for a million dollar and two million dollar houses, right? We aren't building inventory for those people who live and work here, and we also are building often building that inventory for people who don't live here year-round. So for me, one of the nuts that I have yet to crack is how do we incentivize the kind of housing that's affordable and that people really will live here year-round because that is is an economic base that we still have yet to really firm up and stabilize in in the city of Bend. That That's a huge challenge for mm-hmm.
0: us. Some thoughts that 3rd Street um, could be developed uh, in the future to accommodate some affordable housing, such as more high-rise apartment buildings and so forth. Uh, does that seem like a good area to look at?
1: Yes, the, the Central Oregon plan is 3rd Street and um that's absolutely a great place and and i want to go beyond just residential i mean i think mixed use where you have services you have commercial where people really can do the sort of, same as those people who traditionally lived right on the edge of the downtown area right you could walk you could bike mm-hmm. Um, You had access to parks, I mean, all those types of amenities where you can, you don't have to get in your car to go any place necessarily to get some of the key core pieces I, and again, that's the same type of model we're trying to create. I want to talk a little bit about my philosophy and leadership and, um, and and working with the community because I want to say from my point of view, I mean, sometimes people ask me, what are the major challenges that I see in the city of Bend and for our region and our country? And I really believe our biggest challenge is acquiring the skills to listen to each other and hear each other. And what I see a little bit on council, and the the more distant the entity grows, so if you go state level or if you go national level, the more we end up getting into our silos and just listening to those voices that... We, we we agree with that we think syncs up with our value sets. And I think the more we do that, the more isolated we become in our sort of thought corners, the less we're going to be able to really solve some of these major problems, whether or not it has to do with philosophy around um, how we fix our streets or how we're going to expand our urban growth boundary or you name it, right? And so one of my jobs is really to create... Um, and change the way the city of Bend interacts with the community. You know we're, we're always going to be shifting and changing and fine-tuning but honestly what I will say is anytime any individual writes us whether or not we have the time to respond or not and I got to tell you for $166 a month and other work that I have on my plate I, I read everything I can't always respond to it but when I hear somebody from somebody through writing or showing up for city council or coming to our counselor hours, it really informs and flavors the dialogue and ultimately the outcome in the decision that we make. So anytime somebody puts their voice in, it gets calibrated in whatever the outcome is. So please, please get engaged, get involved. And even if it looks like we're not honoring exactly what you would like to see happen, which, and we're all invested in like a particular outcome often when, when we comment. And I certainly am that way too. Even if the, even if the decision I make as a city councilor isn't with what you think should have happened, I have absolutely heard you and I've absolutely weighed those comments into whatever solution set I've put forward. So Um, I think it's really important for people to know that their voice is heard, and I really value anytime somebody comes to a councilor hour or a city council, uh, council meeting. For me, the process of collaboration is also about, it's like putting everything in the mixing bowl, and sometimes you can make a much better cake by including all those pieces. Um, and sometimes parts get left out. I mean, you know, if you put too much baking soda, it can be quite an explosion when you put it in the oven. But, um, so there's got to be some balance. But I honestly think sometimes the win is way huger when you have all those. So I don't necessarily see it as a, as a losing proposition by having a particular voice being heard. I think it's, and I don't, I see that them gaining more than, um, than having not said anything Mm -hmm. at all. But I always, I don't like to see it. I like to see it from the positive side. That's who I am. And that's how I work. And I think if we can move into that, let's work together. Let's find something. I don't see it as much as um, giving up something as we're getting way more than if we hadn't talked at all. Mm
0: -hmm. Where's your next mountain bike trail?
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. So it's springtime. And... There is something about a spring freshet that I love. So a spring freshet is a, a little stream that pops just spontaneously out of the woods. It goes down a little um, valley and then it drops right back down in the ground as it disappears. But where it comes up, all these wildflowers begin to pop up and this beautiful, beautiful landscape. And all the animals come in. Right, because that's where the water is. So I love to ride my bike up Storm King right now, just from Forest Service Road Forty One, and it restores me. And I'm in this incredible—it's almost like a mini Columbia Gorge, right? It's got all the flowers. I mean, it's got these beautiful lilies that come up like at the late May, early June. Just beautiful sand, um, beautiful form too. Oh my gosh, they are works of art. Um, though, you know, that's, that's, I try to do that two or three times a week right now. It's just a magical place. And our forest is full of those little small nuggets of just the beauty of nature.
0: Yeah. You've been very, very active uh, in the mountain biking circles and in other recreational circles in central Oregon, helping identify um, what is important for, um, for not only the recreational value, but the economic value of recreation. You're obviously going to continue to pursue that activity.
1: Yeah, well, you know, life is a balancing act. I work really hard at what I do for the city council. I spend many, many hours reading through documents, talking with people, communicating, trying to inform myself as broadly and deeply as I possibly can so I can be articulate and make really well-grounded decisions when I actually get to the dais and have to make a decision that I know is going to impact our community in the future. But the places where I think the best are when I'm out running or hiking the river trail, when I'm biking up Storm King. You know, later on in the season, I will grab my kiteboard my kites and I will go to the Columbia River Gorge and I will rip across the river back and forth and play in the waves um, in the wind and um, I love I love that and that's where I rebuild and that's where my best thinking is and that's where I take these you know conflicting points of view and these um, problems that just seem unmanageable and unsolvable and all of a sudden ideas come up and I begin to test them when I come home and it's like dang, I think we've got something. And that's very exciting to me. So for me, yes. I mean, the book time and the intellectual time and the communication time in my community is really important. But the place where I can really create and pull together great solutions for our community is, is does take place in the out-of-doors. My favorite moment recently is paddleboarding on the Deschutes River and having a big, fat beaver just swim right underneath my paddleboard. It's really fun.
0: Where do you see Sally Russell in five years?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um... Uh, in the next couple years, I see myself as mayor. I think I'm I'm ready to become the mayor of Bend, and I think it's about time that the community would like to see a woman as the mayor of Bend. So we'll we'll look at how that plays out um, after, hopefully, I'm, and I would hope that I'd be reelected and the community recognize the value that I bring to the community. So I see myself as mayor. Beyond that, um, you know, I see myself as a leader in the state, as well as our community, what form that takes. I think there are all different ways that that could manifest itself. And so I'm open to whatever, you know, happens next. I'm not, I don't have a big ego. I'm really about taking care of our community, the best that I can see within the capacity and that I have. So I'm, I'm curious as you, you know, what's going to be next. But so immediately I can see myself as mayor. And, and long term, I certainly see myself um as somebody who's fully engaged in making our city and our state and our region a better place.
0: You have many people who have played a role in your life. Your mother is one and you obviously have a lot of respect for for other people who are inspirations to you. Can you elaborate a bit?
1: A really good leader always has people who are mentors and people who inspire either directly or indirectly. and. I think that's really important for anybody who works for the broader community to have. So clearly, I mean, it starts with my mother, who is a really strong and determined person. And the, what I walk with every day is nothing is impossible everything is possible. If there's a really good idea, there's a way to get there. You may need to be creative. You may need to change your vision of how that happens. You may need to work with different people than you're working with now, but there is a way for a really good idea to take place. So stick with it and be persistent and incredibly positive things can happen. So that all came from my mother. Yeah. Incredible mentor, Mm -hmm. incredible legacy. So, then the next question is really so, who are the people that I look at that create inspiration for me as an individual and keep my fire hot? So, Ann Richards, who was a governor of Texas, incredibly effective, balanced, simple woman in many respects, but so very articulate and strong, and really great at doing very good things for Texas, and she was a woman and a Democrat in a Republican state, right? But everyone agreed. She was wonderful. So, and then I look at Nancy Pelosi. I look at Jeanette Rankin. You can go look, you know, and then I also, I mean, I knew Barbara Roberts before she was governor of Oregon, and again, a really strong, articulate, balanced, effective woman who became a leader Um, And I really admire and respect the legacy that she brought to this um, to the state. So another person who I got to meet and work with is Governor Tom McCall. And, you know, what's fascinating to me about Tom McCall is he was a Republican and so many of us. And that has so many of his issues are no longer, quote unquote, Republican issues or Democratic issues. But this was a Republican. I mean, he was based in a fiscally responsible, um, you know, philosophical media or however you want to put that. And so Tom McCall had a vision. He had radical new vision that no one in the United States had. I mean, he did the bottle bill. You know, we know him land use planning. Um, and I so respect his vision, untried, untrue ideas, and his ability to build the, the team around him and create and share the vision in a way that we still benefit from in a major way in the state of Oregon today. So Tom McCall, and you know, like him or not, Governor Kitzhaber was a centrist and he was a collaborator. And whatever he did or didn't do those skill sets are the reason why he served two terms as governor the first round and why he was re-elected again was really because of those skill sets centrist and a collaborator Um, and those are very important in our state going forward so I look to those to those people I also look at Pope Francis again you know he looks beyond what the Catholic Church has done for thousands of years And he's willing to break forward into the modern world. We may or may not like everything he says, but for me there um, are messages in the way he has taken this institution that has been very unwilling to move and even acknowledge the modern culture throughout the world. And he is finally bringing the Catholic Church into the modern day. And I think that's very important for the world. And he has become a world leader because of that, right? These are all people that I look at to inspire and motivate me and hold me firm when things get really ugly and tough. Here's what most people don't know about me. I was the executive director of a music festival. I have a master's in business. I worked for Two different development companies. I was director of marketing for a large real estate development. I have a huge background not only in real estate and development as well as nonprofit. And I've also served on a number of nonprofit boards, including the Tower Theater in our community. So I have a very diverse range of uh, friends and colleagues and very diverse background as well. And I think that. Many people know me from one side or the other and don't realize that I have friends and colleagues and connections and background throughout all different fabrics in this community. People who are poor, people who are rich, people who bike, people who read, people who love to shoot. <laughs> I mean, it's, I know them all. And um, I think that's really important for the community to know when they're looking at leaders who can really serve this community as an integrated whole.
0: A conversation with Bend City Councilor Sally Russell. I'm Brian Jennings for The Source Weekly, and you've been listening to Sourcecast, also online at bendsource.com.